Welcome to Equiosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of Modern Horse Training and many other books and DVDs about clicker training. And I also have a brand new children's book out. It's called Teddy's to the Rescue. You can learn more about all my books at my website, theclickercenter.com. And I'm also joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. This is the second half of a conversation Dominique and I had after one of the monthly coaching sessions that I hold for my online clinics. Last week, we talked about disengaging the hindquarters. This is a term that comes from the traditional horse world. It's a maneuver that is often taught very forcefully and in a way that is intended to dominate horses. So it doesn't seem as though it belongs in the repertoire of a clicker trainer or even as a subject that we would be talking about. But what we mustn't do is dismiss a useful behavior simply because we have seen someone teach it in a way that is very harsh and destructive. That would paralyze us. There would be very little that we could ask our horses to do. Certainly, backing would be off the table. We've, I've seen lots of people use backing in a very harsh way that just makes me shudder. We'd never be able to ask our horses to pick up their feet or to be groomed because I've certainly seen people treat their horses very roughly when they're teaching them to stand still. We'd never be able to take a horse anywhere near a trailer. Think of all the things that you would never be able to do if your standard was you've seen somebody teach it in a way that is harsh. So, you know, something even as basic as haltering would have to be off the table. So clearly it isn't what we are asking a horse to do that is important, but how it is taught that matters. We can teach our horses to back up in all kinds of really elegant ways where we end up with a super eager to back horse. And so backing as a behavior can be very horse friendly depending upon how it's taught. And that's true of asking a horse to what is called disengage the hips, asking a horse to go through that the weight shifts that are involved in that. So last week, we described the good, better, best, bestest teaching process that prepares a horse for the give of the hip through a series of small weight shifts. That was last week's topic. And then Dominique had collected a series of topics from the coaching session that she wanted to talk about. So from disengaging the hips, we shifted gears and talked about a delightful image that fit perfectly with three images that I shared during the coaching session of a horse trotting, first with a very upright head position. So the the top line was very inverted and the neck was very stiff and, and straight out of the shoulders. And then second was the same horse beautifully engaged and giving it the pole. And the third was again the same horse over flexing. So the nose was curled down towards her chest. And all of these, these three images occurred within a two second time period on the video. So the question was, 
What are we looking for? What is the clickable moment? How do you spot a good moment to click? And I used the image of an elf sitting behind your horse's ears to judge if this is a good moment to click. Time will tell if this is a useful image, but it was certainly enchanting. Dominique liked it so much that she asked me to describe it for last week's podcast. I used another image in the coaching session, which Dominique also liked, and that's where we'll begin this week. We'll start with screaming alarm clocks. There's another image. This one's going to be really quick, though, that you came up with. Again, I think, yeah, this was again in the summary uh, that you send to all of us after the coaching sessions. And they're really, I mean, for me, there's there these summaries are as valuable, although they don't take they don't take as much time. Um, no. But there is, they well, take, well, some of them can be quite quite they, they, uh, they complete. Take, they take more time to write. To write, but they, not for us. So right. Can, you you can read them a lot faster. They yes. Actually, um, some. For the first time, one of the coaching sessions, because usually they're from one to four Eastern time if you're yeah. in North America. So some people are in Europe, um, very dedicated people to be um, there, you know, that late at yes. night. But they're very dedicated and they're, they're regulars, actually. Yes. But, so they're usually from one to four. But the last one, there was so many good videos that you actually treated us to an extra Saturday. Yes. Which was great because all the material was fabulous. But anyway, after each of those sessions, you send us a summary and and there's and and sometimes you add things. Yes. Like a comment or and so this was an image that came up in yeah, the person was having their horse back. And so we've talked about this previously in other podcasts about the difference between a constant on cue and a starter cue. So for instance, if the person is asking their horse to back, the start to back cue would be just the gesture, let's say for me, it would be the gesture towards my horse's chest. I don't even have to touch them, but I just do this gesture and they initiate it into the backing. And then you walk with them. So if they're backing, you're walking forward as they are backing, which is the constant on cue, meaning that when you stop walking, the horse should stop backing. But when you initiating the backing, you get out of there because you've already, we've, we've, so there was one image that you shared with us, which was the car. You turn the key of the car to turn it on, but you don't keep turning the key of the car. Right. You just right. put your, your foot on the gas pedal. That's the constant on, but the start cue was the key. But there was another image that you came up with, which I love. It was the alarm clock. You said, so yes. it's like you have your alarm clock to wake you up, and you, you get out of bed, but the alarm clock is following you everywhere. And it keeps, it keeps, what's the word in English? Alarming. It's ringing. Not ringing. Yeah, it's ringing. It keeps ringing and ringing and you're out of bed. I love that image. Yes. 
yeah, I could just I could just picture this alarm clock this very insistently following you th- through the day. It's like right. no, there are other cues that have now taken over. You can you can turn off. You've done your job. You can turn off. And of course, the the importance of that and backing is such a. There are many reasons why it's a foundation behavior. One of the reasons it's a foundation behavior is because for just basic safety, we need to be able to ask our horses to back up. But backing teaches handlers about so many important concepts and starts to develop that the mental agility that is needed when you when things start to become a little more complex. And if you've not thought about starter button versus constant on cues in this context of, you know, you have the turn of the key starts the the engine, but then other things like your foot on the gas pedal keeps the car going. If you haven't thought about that and learned how to turn cues off, when you get under saddle and start riding, you're going to have a grumpy horse. Because you're going to ask a horse, for example, to go up into a canter, and maybe you use a, a, a closing of the leg as part of your cue to canter. And so the horse jumps up into the first canter stride, but the leg doesn't relax and stop saying... The leg and, is the <laughs> nagging alarm clock. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so the horse either, you know, pinning his ears and swishing his tail saying human turn yourself off or or stalls out of the canter and you're going well you know well this is a this is a, a an annoying horse he knows how to canter kind of thing and i i i boarded at a lesson barn for years so i watched i watched tons of beginner lessons and i saw this happening all the time and these the instruction was certainly I would say very typical of the way many of us are taught so there was nothing bizarre about the way things were being taught it was looked pretty normal and typical and so I you know I saw these patterns in action practically every afternoon when I was at the barn and and there were lessons going on so we have to learn to deliberately turn off cues and in backing it is so easy. Oh, it is so easy to leave the initiating cues on. You slide up a lead rope, you ask a horse to back up, and the horse starts to back. You're walking with the horse. And when we look at the video, we see, oh, you never let go with the lead. You had your hand on the lead the whole time. And we had we had one person in, I think it was his last coaching session, yeah, where she said, yeah, where she said, if you had, if you had asked, asked me. me, I would have said that I had let go. But yeah. clearly, when I saw the video, I had. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the backing helps to really train. It begins this whole teaching process of being very deliberate in what, how is this cue going to function? Is it a constant on cue? Is it an initiator starter button cue that initiates the sequence and then turns off? And if it's a cue that I want to turn off, 
am I turning it off? And am I going through a teaching process? This is the contact trap. Okay, I asked for the horse to, to back up. I let go and he stalled out. Mm. So now I'm going to ask my horse to back up again, but I'm going to stay on the line to get that second step and then mm. I'll click and treat. And now mm. I'm in the contact trap. And backing, it's really interesting. So, and this was an email that I sent out today on someone who'd sent me in the video uh, of backing. She was working on the free shaping, the first few steps of backing. And her horse was doing really well. She's doing really well. Everything is really good, except that she went through too many reps. So in a two-minute video clip, she had 20, I think 19 reps. It's a lot. It is a lot of reps. So on one level, there was nothing wrong with what she was doing, but her funnel was getting bigger <laughs> as she was going. So, you know, we talk about flipping the funnel where you, you start, you have this image of the funnel where you have a normally, say if you're filling a gas can, you would have the wide part of the funnel facing up and the narrow part of the funnel going down into the gas can and you pour the liquid into the wide part. But you can also flip the funnel around the other way where it's a very narrow opening is where, where you put things in and then it gradually widens out. And when you're shaping, if you're taking a lot of uh, well, that was sort of okay, and that was sort of okay, and that was sort of okay. Your funnel gets wider and wider and wider, and what is it that you're actually looking for becomes a little fuzzier. And there are problems that can evolve in that in terms of, you know, you stress the behavior a little bit, and the animal starts to revert back to earlier forms of the behavior, and you get a lot of noise in the system. And we've talked about the flipping the funnel in previous podcasts, so I won't go into it too much. But back so in, in this in this case, it, the goal behavior was deteriorating as the reps no, were. No, actually, she's no? she's she's getting decentish. She's getting a progression. Okay, but what she's not really getting to is the clean loops that she would like to be getting to, because backing is a funny behavior. When you, so we, we need to think of backing, if we think of backing as an action, and when we talk about backing, we mean my car is at the garage, and I back my car up, and now I'm out by the, the road, <laughs> or my horse is at his stall door, and he takes a couple of steps back, and now I can walk into his stall and drop his hay into his stall. You know, there's, so we think of backing as sort of, a, we'll call it an outcome. Yeah. Okay. But it's made up of, there are lots of different ways in which a horse can back up. Now, my car really doesn't have different ways of backing. I mean, I can turn the steering wheel and go in different directions, but my car really is sort of all of a unit. My horse is not. So my horse can take a step back with his left front foot 
to initiate into backing. And that is a different action, different behavior from taking his right front foot back, which is a different action from shifting his chest back and then lifting a foot. So we've got, when you start looking at how is this horse taking a step back, what we saw was that it was varying quite a lot. Okay. So initially, in, in the first trial, the horse stepped back with her left front. She fed forward. Second trial, horse stepped back with the left front. Click and treat. She fed again. The horse shifted her chest back and then took a step back with the okay. left front. Click and treat. But now with the foot there, her left front was beginning to, was in a different starting point. So even though she fed forward, that foot was still a little bit back. Mm -hmm. So on the next trial, the horse contracted the muscles in her chest, click and treat. And so she got the click in just on the contraction of okay. the muscles. So the horse shifted back, came back forward a little bit, clicked again for the contraction of the muscles. But now that left front is well and truly planted. So on the give, she steps back with her right front. So it's a different behavior. Mm -hmm. okay. And yeah, so that's not, it's not a clean loop in that sense. Yeah, so she's missing, so she she's missing out on that opportunity to develop the rhythm, the tightness of the clean loop. Mm -hmm. So if she had stopped and given her horse a little break after, say, the first three or four reps, she actually would have had a clean loop. Take okay. a little break, do a little grown-ups, come back. And now you can shift your criterion a little bit based on what you were seeing before, and your loop will develop. You know, mm. you know, you'll get a cleaner loop developing. So now you'll get that contraction of the chest muscle leads to a lift of the of the leg, click and treat. And you get that going forward and back, forward and back. And now that rhythm begins as she takes a step back, you begin to see the right shoulder freeing up. And so what you end up with is a horse that is producing a much more rhythmical, steady, balanced marching back rather than a horse who's at times staggering back or hesitant in the backing or uh, wobbling back. You get more of a horse who's backing on a balance beam and not falling off. And it was simply a matter of saying, all right, everything is great. Everything is looking really, really good, except there are too many reps. So let's just Let's, let's do smaller units, take a break. And the break doesn't have to be long. It could be do a little bit of grown-ups, do a little bit of targeting. Well, you could even, steps. yeah, you could you, you do and some leg flexions. The horse knows leg flexions. You could even ask through, because this horse knows how to back, you could even back the horse completely out. She was in a backing shoot out of the chute go off, walk around a circle of cones and come back. There are lots of ways that you could give 
a break. So the break might be just a couple of clicks of doing something else. It could be longer. You come back, now you reevaluate what is my criterion? What am I asking for? It's just that remembering, it's so easy when you're working on something to work on it so steadily (laughs) that you end up you, you end up with a little more noise in the system mm-hmm. than you need to. And this really brings me to what I wanted to talk about, which was re- you know, going back to the two wonderful conversations that we had with Dr. Joe Lang and Dr. Claire St. Peter on schedules of reinforcement and how head spinning all of that can become. No, we, we see that in a lab you can oh you can you can run all kinds of variations on the theme. You can just go crazy in terms of what you can set up in schedules. And it's fascinating, it's informative, it's amazing what you can create through the schedules. But there are times when you know, you, you listen to all of this and it just makes your head spin and you think, but I just want to train my horse. How, how is this relevant? How is this relevant? What do I do with this information? And mm-hmm. I think for me, loopy training just really just helps to smooth out all of the, what do I do with it? Because I'm not thinking about what kind of schedule I'm on, what I'm thinking about is, do I have the rhythm, the repeating pattern, a clean loop? And then once I, and and if it's not there, I'm looking for, what do I need to shift? What do I need to change? I was working with a horse a couple days ago, and we, this is a horse who's fairly new to clicker training, very new to clicker training. And he's just learning about mats. And we were working initially in his paddock that's off of his stall. And he was ready to go to multiple mats. But it was too small a space for for that. Mm-hmm. So, and because the environment was wrong, we couldn't get a clean loop. So it was like, all right, we don't need to be in this environment. Let's change the environment. Because it's, I'm not going to get a clean loop. I'm just going to get slop. <laughs> And, and I don't want that. So when I'm thinking about rates of reinforcement, what I'm really thinking about is what are the elements in the current loop that I'm looking for? And how much noise am I getting? What do I need to change to reduce my noise to clean responses ratio? And do I need to change what I'm asking for? Do I need to make an environmental change? What do I need to shift to get to that clean loop? And it just, in terms of thinking about schedules of reinforcement, for me, the loopy training teaching structure is the way that that I find most useful when I'm thinking about schedules of reinforcement. What, what would be your takeaway or response to that since you also know you were part of those conversations I think when because I remember when we first had the conversation we were both kind of 
a little bit surprised when he said, well, schedules are not relevant when you're shaping. Schedules are relevant when you have established a, a behavior and you want to, and you then can start to play with schedule to maybe get more of the established behavior enforcer. But for me, this was a big takeaway for me because it makes sense to me that, you know, playing with schedules um, is probably something that I need to think about more once I have really established a behavior. And I know we had all these conversation afterwards about is it is a behavior ever really established? But, you know, as a general rule, it made sense to me. And to, so to kind I of... would say, though, that if I'm if I'm going to be getting more, you know, I'm, whatever it is, lever presses or leg lifts, like, you know, whatever it is, backing steps, I want more, 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 greedy, greedy, greedy. I want yeah. more. But that's shaping. And and I still want and I want to develop it in clean loop. Yeah. I know that because I don't want to get into all of I know, I know, I know. But for me, the the unit hypothesis is still there's still a question mark there, yeah. and you know it's something I thought I need to play with my horse to see yes. how it is for me if it makes sense or not. And some people may say, "What is she talking about?" I would then refer them to yes, uh, go back and podcasts. listen. Yes. But but back to your point today about probably the most useful or one of the most useful tools when we are shaping is loopy training. And the example you just gave before about the person who was backing their horse pretty well, actually, yeah. is for me, that brings up what does a clean loop look like? You know, when we say, oh, we want a clean loop. Well, maybe I could say this seems clean to me because the rate of reinforcement is pretty high. There's a rhythm. And maybe you would look at some details and think, hmm, down the road, this may deteriorate. You know, so because the more I hear it, the more we talk about it, the more micro we're going. Right. We're going there's... really micro and, and it grows. I know it no. grows really fast, but the when we say the small start with the smallest kernel, I think that has really changed over time for me, what a small kernel can be. And I suppose it relates with all the body awareness. And all this discussion about what comes before what comes before what you want to click. And I'm realizing how small you can go. Yes. And and which is also great when you think you're stuck because you yes. need behavior, right? Because right. what is there to click if there's no behavior? So you're thinking, I'm trying to shape this, but I'm not getting anything. Right. But yeah, you are. It's just you're not seeing it. It's smaller than you think. And, you know, again, we're so outcome oriented that we sometimes don't even see what the components could be. But yeah, so how to define a clean loop? 
you know how you know when you said before there were too many repetitions yeah. and we know that and, and so the funnel was was too big there was too many variations so that wasn't a clean loop there's a lot to say about what a clean loop looks like how you get a clean loop you know when you are looking for a clean loop one of the words you used was rhythm Mm -hmm. So, you know, as your horse begins to get what it is that you you are asking for, as you begin to become more coordinated in how you are asking for a response, a lot of the noise drops out of the system, you know, so you get a rhythm that comes in. And that is a good indicator that your yeah. understanding and your horse's understanding now start scanning for how could I expand this? How could I change this? What element could I emphasize that will just nudge this along a little bit? Would I be... think the rhythm is something that is very clear. I think yes. it's a good indicator because it's easy to see. Yep. It's there or it's not there. Yep. You know, it would be hard for two people to disagree on rhythm. You know, if yeah. it's you know, I mean, so it... it looks like I'm setting it up. The horse is doing it right away. I'm clicking. It's happening in three, in two seconds like that. It's yeah. the setup, the behavior, and the click, and the yeah. food, the delivery of the food. Right. There's there no isn't. like five seconds going by without the horse starting, at least. The behavior yeah. may be a long behavior. It doesn't matter. I mean, this may take more seconds, but the initiation of the behavior from the horse happens right after he has finished eating or whatever the reinforcement yes. yep. is. It's happening right away and you know exactly what it's going to look like. And so does he. Yeah. You're not getting, you're asking the horse to back. He's just had a treat. Now you're, you've done whatever, you've presented whatever cue or that you're going to present to ask for the backing. Horse looks away. Right, stomps his foot, you know, whatever, and then starts to to back up. That has dropped out. And yeah. yes, you may get um, a horse who momentarily reaches around to his side to get a fly off of his, yeah, yeah, yeah. his side. That, They're that, not a robot. But... Yes, right. Yeah. So, you know, we, we factor those things in, in evaluating is this a clean loop or not. But you're not getting the hesitation, the look away, the the you know, pausing and thinking, you know, what is it that she wants me to do? The behavior is performed promptly, performed fluidly. And there aren't a lot of unwanted behaviors coming into the loop. And that just streamlines and, and creates a rhythm. And as that rhythm comes in, and, and it helps you to pinpoint, what is it that I'm actually going to focus on? So uh, for this, in this description of she was doing all of these reps, initially, you could focus on the chest, the left front, and land a click there and be very accurate in the timing of your click. And, but at, and by the fourth click, that movement of the chest muscles was very distinctive. And that's why it was really time to take a break because 
It's like you need to be able to evaluate what is the effect of my training? Do I have a movement cycle? So we have to think about a movement cycle. The cycle is complete when the individual is in position to repeat the behavior. So it's a series of behaviors performed one after another, and the movement cycle is complete when the individual is in position to repeat the behavior. And through a couple of reps, the balance has shifted so that actually the individual was no longer going to be in position to right. repeat the behavior. So then it's the food delivery that will uh, that allow brings you back. Yeah, that often brings you back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. And what begin and backing, when I say backing is such an interesting and useful behavior, it's in part because it's not a single behavior. There's mm-hmm. not a single action. So when the horse takes his, his left front back and then comes forward to get the food, but maybe doesn't bring the left front forward again, just leans a little bit, he still gets the food, but he's now in a different starting point. Mm-hmm. And all of those different starting points, we want the horse to generalize those different starting points mm-hmm. to create the concept of backing. And the concept of backing includes backing beginning with your left front, backing beginning with your right front, backing beginning with your hind end. You know, it, it, the. Uh, but then uh, your loop would, so that means that. So as, as we develop backing, what begins to happen is you get this broader class or concept of moving your body back through space in which all of these different starting points have been factored in. We start with the that repeating clean small kernel. I think what we would see is that we would get a cleaner, straighter, more balanced, more coordinated backing steps and then able to out of different starting points you would be able to find your way to that balanced form of backing much faster much sooner balance and body awareness we keep getting back to that (laughs) and those and you know and this this is part of why i value the body awareness explorations because if i'm not sure it's like well how does that work well let me go explore it and rather than having my horse go through lots and lots and lots of backing while I'm experimenting with different ways of asking for backing. Let me do it first with myself because I, I always have, I always have me available to myself. <laughs> I know that sounds odd, but that happens to be the case. And you always have you available to yourself. So if I want to explore backing, I'll just stand up and, and start, you know, I can say, all right, if I back, I, I just watched this video clip of this particular horse. So let me mimic what I just saw. So let me go through the different, this is, this is what happened on trial one. 
this is what happened on trial two, that weight then the weight shifted forward, and then and all oh, right, now now this leg is planted. By doing that, it makes it easier to see it when it's happening. By taking the breaks. So instead of doing 20 reps, you do four or five reps, pausing grown-ups. It's not you're not stopping, stopping. We're just pausing in grown-ups for a little bit. It gives you a chance to then look at, well, how is my horse standing? She's got all of her weight on her left front. The left front is pinned. So let me focus on what, what would she need to do now to shift back? And let me observe that or let me guess. So now maybe instead of looking at the left front, maybe I need to look at what's going on in the horse's chest and the right front and I yeah, and let me get it's a new behavior so let me get four or five reps of that and as a loop becomes clean in that then I can evaluate and move into so I'll get a whole series of these little clean loops that I can then begin to see what does my horse do with them how do they assemble them and because of the nature of, of backing them and how horses back, because they've got four legs, it just it lends itself to this kind of, well, let me really get down into the nitty-gritty. Let me get down into this, the micro of it. And as you say, we're looking, we're going more and more and more micro. And in part, we're doing that because in the coaching sessions, people are they're they're becoming very skilled trainers. They're becoming you know, very it's skilled. It's really amazing that the one the the last coaching session, we spent a lot of time looking at a horse, make a few steps around a cone. Yep. And it was actually quite fascinating. Yes. You know, yes. I never thought I could spend so much time looking at everything that's happening because there's a lot happening yes of a horse doing three four five steps around a cone yeah but it was actually quite interesting yeah and it's sitting in those three or four steps around the cone is embedded in that are you know how do i teach my horse to go in and out of gates how do i teach my horse uh lateral flexions how you know it's just so everything from something as practical as I need to take a horse through a gate to something as performance-oriented and complex as lateral work. It's all sitting in those, those few steps that we looked at in that, those videos. And it was fascinating, mm. really fascinating and beautiful handling. Yes. Really beautiful handling. Yes, and all the documenting by video, you know, it, yeah. it was very valuable because yes. she did... She was very consistent in documenting yes. everything. So it was very helpful for everyone. Yes. And she was beautiful handling. And she's also done beautiful prep in her horse, which made the going around the cone so interesting. Mm. Yeah, that was fun video. Yeah. We do indeed get to watch some great videos in these coaching sessions. If you're wondering what I'm talking about, or you're thinking you're missing out on something, or you've missed a webinar, and how can you join in? These coaching sessions are part of my online clinics. 
Last year, I created a series of eight online clinics that take you from the very beginning steps of introducing a horse to clicker training and then on through the constructional training approach that takes you into riding. These online clinics have replaced the traveling that I did for many years to give in-person clinics. At the start of the pandemic, I would have said teaching through Zoom just wouldn't work. I need to be with the horses. I need to watch them. I need to be able to work directly with a horse to feel what it's doing, to know what lessons to suggest for that horse. I, I need to be there in person and that Zoom just is not going to work. Well, Zoom was all we had during lockdown, so I gave it a try and I discovered that not only can you teach and teach well, in many ways, I prefer the Zoom platform over in-person clinics. One of the main differences is the horses are in their home environments. People can really focus in on the training questions that they have and not have to deal with what are essentially management issues because the horse is stressed by being away from home. Now, in so many of the clinics, I'll have somebody who says, well, what I want to work on is riding. But because their horse is not used to traveling, the horse is emotionally just not in a place where riding can be the focus. But that's not the case when you're looking at video that someone is taking in their home environment. So that's one huge advantage. The format also means we can meet more frequently. With an in-person clinic, I might see a horse handler team once a year. With the online clinics, we can meet up every month and in between people are sending me video for feedback and for suggestions about what to work on next. These online clinics have been running for about a year and a half. And you know the adage, the, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Well, in this case, the proof of the concept is seen in the quality of the handling that we're watching in the videos. So the videos that people send in to me, I'm seeing just wonderful changes in the handling. And we're also beginning to look at increasingly complex topics as we move forward through the clinic process. So every coaching session is different because the content is created by the participants. The videos that they send to me for analysis form the basis of these coaching sessions. And as I look at all the videos that, that everyone has sent in, what I see emerging are common threads or concepts that carry through from the very beginning steps of somebody who is working at the foundation skills level through to somebody who's beginning to look at much more complex behaviors, including getting into some of the riding. So all of this forms the background of our discussions, and it's this that Dominique is drawing from for these, these Equosity episodes. The fun of it is that everything truly is connected to everything else. And what that means is we may begin with a video from someone who is new to clicker training, and we'll be looking at elements of the foundation lessons, details from the foundation lessons. And then we'll look at horses that are much further along in the process. 
And we'll be seeing how these elements and the concepts that we just discussed evolve and help us to teach these more, much more complex behaviors or that make sense of why those details were being stressed in those early lessons. So newcomers get to see where the lessons they're working on can take them, and the more experienced people get the reminders about why these details are so important. So what is emerging through this clinic process are some very, very skilled handlers who are a delight to watch with their horses. So that's telling me that this online clinic process most definitely works. If you want to learn more, or you'd love to be able to join in on these coaching sessions, do please go to my website, theclickercenter.com, and check out the clinic section. And while you are there, do visit the Bear Hollow Press section of my website to learn more about my new children's book, Teddy's to the Rescue. And until next week, train well and have fun with your horses. Music